0: Future Hacker Life Path Future.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode of Future Hacker with Nissan Geisel. So, Nissan, let's keep going. Your work is all about embracing transformation, using creativity, experimenting new ideas, right? What are the main challenges when dealing with large corporations, large clients that have a hard time moving outside their way, you know, their regular way of operating? And for sure, you know, our last years are a huge proof of that when we are all shaken by by the pandemic. So could you just, you know, share with us the main challenges that, that you guys are regularly having to overcome?
0: Yeah, organizations are a big mystery even even these days. But but at the end of the day, when we talk about organizations, we talk about the people that are part of the organizations. That would be the element that we are working with. And in that sense, it's back to basics, right? Because when we talk about people, it's people everywhere. So people in the context of of big organizations, I think that there are a few really big challenges when doing so. I mean, when we talk about organizations they are a very systematic way to shape people and communication and decision making, making things more efficient and, and in that in doing so they are constantly looking for comfort, right? For validity, for understanding what would be the result of an of an action. So in that sense, I think one of the biggest challenges is helping them to embrace a lower sense of comfort, understanding that, yes, we don't know everything and that's fine. We don't have to know everything, right? Just to get going. And I think that's really interesting because in design education, when we learn how to design, what we are actually doing is jumping into projects every time, right? Every semester, every course, every year, we learn how to jump into a project we don't really understand and somehow find the methods and the tools that help us come up with a good solution at the end. And doing this for like five times, 10 times, 100 times, 1000 times, you, you end up having a comfort level that is good enough for you to feel okay even when challenged by something that you don't really understand today. And and I mean, this is something that is really, really challenging, is to make organizations a much more similar to what we do in the design practice, which is, okay, so we have this challenge, we don't really understand that, and that's fine, let's just jump into it and start, and start working. And by working in it, we'll create a better understanding of the problem, and then we'll have a better understanding of the solution. We'll be able to model the, the knowledge and the information that we gather and be much better at the at the other side of it. And I mean, in that sense, organizations feel really tough starting this journey. I mean, once they get going and they understand how it feels that chaos is just one part of this journey, and at the end, we will have a solution or a list of solutions. And at the end, the result will be even better than what we used to have in our orthodox processes. Then it becomes much more familiar and and practiced also internally. But I mean, these first steps into this journey is something that we feel is very hard for people inside organizations that are You know, they don't want nobody to move their cheese, right? And and change the way things are working around them because it means that they themselves they have to change as people, right? Because they have to operate differently. And so this is a a very big a big challenge when, when confronting organizations. I think that another another big challenge would be what we described earlier as as this notion of soft knowledge and soft practices inside a very structured, hierarchical, result-driven sort of culture. Once again, when we talk about how we create ideas, how we support new ideas and so on. So lots of it today is based on data. Again, a tool that design is trying to reintroduce as part of becoming more relevant. And I think that what is missing with the data today is that It really reflects on how people behave, but it doesn't really tell us why they do that, why they behave as such. And in that sense, there is also a place to to introduce what we call small data, small knowledge. I mean, the, the, the small questions that we have, the small decisions, the emotions, the reactions, the associations that we have once we introduced we're being introduced to this new concept or a new idea and I think that that's another challenge is to make room for that kind of knowledge that kind of, of resolution of the software experience of people within the decision-making process of big organizations that usually when they do that they look at charts right they see the income trajectories they, they use pie charts and the conversion rates and all kinds of big big words for them also to keep in mind that at the end of the day, we are not pieces of information, we're not bits of information, but rather we're human beings and we really have a rich world around us. And making this perspective a much more holistic and encompassing is another really big challenge that we have with organizations today.
1: I'd like to go a little deeper in two things that you you just mentioned. The first one, so, You've been telling us how we're all humans behind those organizations, right? But we see, especially when we talk about those large corporations, it just seems that we as humans get lost, not lost, we just get rooted within old processes and systems and hierarchies and whatever. And all those words that I think that in the future are going to get less relevant, right? Because I think that and we, we have been covering a lot the future of work and the future of professions. So, but that's still how we operate today, especially the old traditional companies. So my first question to you would be how to humanize organization. And this is something that I heard a lot from you when we were, we got to know each other, is humanizing organization. So how to do that when people still get stuck in whichever environments, especially people that has been working for a long time within the same place, right?
0: So humanizing organizations a big, big challenge that we're really working almost every every project on, because at the end of the day, if we would like to be better designers, we need to have better customers or at least better informed customers. Because it we need the dialogue and we need to be able to produce the way of thinking into the into the processes because we really believe that the outputs would be better. So in, in that sense, humanizing organizations is a mission that we have in each and every project we we have. And in that sense, it really comes down to a few things. So for example, you really need to come up with a change perspective on what, as I mentioned before, would be a human experience. What is a human experience? What it's built of and provide the room for it. To become part of the decision making process in in, in a project. So, whenever we do, whenever we develop today a new product or a new service or a new strategy or whatever, we are introducing also these elements into the project and we, we really, really force them in in the beginning. But once they're in and they start generating their value in the discussions and creating new sort of perspectives on the challenges and solutions. I mean, it becomes easier with time. And and so that would be the first level of within the project itself, whenever we're designers confronting the the company or the organization. But I mean, I also find a lot of opportunity to create, to change really organizations from within. So for example, when big companies, they try to be more human centric, or for example, to become more design-led or innovation-led companies. So... That means that they really have to change the system as you describe that, right? So it's it's really changing the practices, changing the processes. It changes the KPIs, what we measure to be a success, right? It changes that as well. We are trying to really convince companies to put people that are people's champions in high levels of the decision-making roles in the company. So chief people officer would be a good a good solution here so again whenever a company thinks about its strategy thinks about a new proposition thinks about its future and its and its customers then really introducing this notion of people and humanity in almost every level of the decision making process within the organization so i mean we're really at the at the beginning of you know at least relatively we're in the beginning of this transformation of of how we generate value in society. So organizations and companies are sort of a, a modern example of how we do that. And I think that that example, that mechanism is changing. So we're, we're seeing this everywhere. We're seeing companies that are a bit more progressive, that are willing to introduce new practices, new structures, new way of, of working. And as, as you mentioned, this is something that becomes more and more evident around us. And it stems from from the fact that people become more important in society in general. And in that sense, companies and organizations are part of the society and they'll have to adapt and change as well.
1: For sure, the pressure will come from outside right? To, 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 as well. And, and so when talking about the decision making process that you mentioned a lot and going from humanizing organizations to humanizing products and services, you touch a field that is beginning to grow in Brazil still, but it's a global trend, uh, it's very advanced in countries like UK or in the US for sure, which is behavior science. How are you applying behavior science to your work?
0: So behavioral science is something that became more part of our process in the last few years since this notion uh, became popular. And I think it's a really powerful way of looking at how we behave and react as people. So just to formalize it a bit, so we, we're using that in two ways, on the input level of understanding reality, understanding why people behave the way they do, how they go about their day and taking decisions. So the first thing to do would be to really map reality and try to identify the mechanisms coming from behavioral science that really affect people's behavior. So, of course, doing all the classical work of, of research, ethnographic research and interviews and really trying to understand how people take decisions and their behavior is, is affected by, by understandable mechanisms, right? And so inputs would be a very important part of our work. So and once this is done and we we understand reality much better, also on a behavioral level then we can create the, the new outputs so that would be the next level so again when we come with with ideas for new products or new services or new journeys or new strategies then we, we inject into the creation process also behavioral science and, and think okay we, we don't just need to achieve business goals right but we have to really shape how people will behave or shape how people will react to this thing, up to a point, of course. And in that sense, we can we talk about nudges all the time, right? So how we can really encourage people into behaving in one way rather than the other. And of course, this is a very delicate and sensitive place to be in because if you, you, you make these manipulations, you have to be really aware of the price and cost that you create for for people. And in that sense, again, as part of reintroducing design into society as a big practice, right, that tries to to tackle big problems and big questions, we have to take on also ethical questions and and try to understand also our position here. So for example, people that, that develop today, you know, AI and algorithms and machine learning and so on, they have to, also take into consideration the morality and ethics of what they do because they are again shaping society and i think design and behavioral science is in the same spot we are understanding we're reading reality understanding that also from the perspective of the behavior of people and coming back with ideas about how to reshape and how to sort of engineer or at least encourage people right to change their behavior, and in that sense, we have to have a heightened sense of of ethics and awareness of what we're doing. And this is something, you know, we talk about behavioral science, but you cannot really talk about behavioral science in the context of creating new products and new services without putting yourself in a very, very delicate position, and, and the awareness is a must. I mean, the responsibility grows, with the correlation to the power and effect that design is achieving these days. So the bigger the, the impact, the bigger is the responsibility. And we have these discussions, by the way, we have these discussions with our customers all the time, because not all the time this is in sync with the business needs that the companies are introducing to the discussion. And we have all the time, we have this these sort of internal challenges of how to really Approach a project doing no harm, and actually creating a better world in every project. You know, to really minimize friction and and frustrations and and all kinds of issues, and maximizing what we feel are positive values. And this is a constant tension between what is perceived as a classical organizational business interest, rather than the people on the other side. And and from my point of view, this is actually is no clash. there is no clash here, right? Because the more in sync the interests are, the better the service, the better the relationship between the organization and its customers, for example. But this does mean that we have to maybe develop a heightened sense of responsibility and ethics, even in, in a practice that didn't really think about these questions in the, in the past few hundreds of years.
1: I just love that you brought that up. It's super, super important to discuss. And, you know, in almost all our episodes, when we're talking about the future innovations and technologies, and you have to talk about ethics, we have to cover that. It's super important because we are now building things that will be used. Like, you know, when you talk about Machine learning, like we're building it now. So we we have to figure this out now, right? We we, we can't just wait for things to go bad, to go wrong and to be misused to then try to change. So I absolutely love that you brought that up. So um, I have a last question for you. We are almost out of time. So just to conclude our conversation, when it comes to keeping creativity flowing in our lives, just to keep our inner child alive. Let's put it in that way. Do you have any final advice for our listeners?
0: Well, I think that inspiration is really something that is the source of everything. And I mean, inspiration against popular, maybe popular thoughts. It's it's not this muse that comes to me, you know, uh, in the middle of night and provides me with this clarity regarding a solution. I mean... The more we interact, the more we're in friction with the world. And I mean by friction, I mean a positive friction, right? Meeting people, having experiences, traveling, using public transportation rather than car, right? All these experiences, they are what builds up the inspiration that you have and also the the, the awareness of the meaning of what you're doing. This comes hand with hand. So, I mean, if you ask me, it's all about just venturing out looking for experiences. I mean, the amount of discussions and talks with random people I had on a bus is something that I, one one day I'll, I'll try to write it down into a into a book. But really, it really takes me out of my own world, the one that I constructed around myself, which is most times is very comfortable and, and nice. But if you ask me about what really feeds me as a designer and helps me to sort of tackle all kinds of challenges it's really going out trying to experience new things meet new people hear new ideas even by the way even ones that I'm not really fond of right not really encouraged by but these these are elements that are fundamental to the design process as I see it so you cannot really create anything for the world if you're not part of the world and if you ask me how to sustain your creativity flowing and alive. I mean, it's just by going out and just letting it pass through you.
1: That was such a lovely way to end this conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. So let's all go out and embrace randomness. (laughs) That was lovely. Thank you so much. It was just amazing to have you with us. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening.
0: Thank you, Maria. Thank you for everybody.
1: Future Hacker.
0: Life. Path. Future.